Now this is a story from Orkney, where I'm from. It's called Annie Norn and the Finn Folk. Now there was once a family who had a daughter called Annie Norn. And one evening Annie was sent down to the shore to get a pail of seawater to boil their supper in. You see, back in those days, salt was very expensive. <clears throat> so people used seawater to boil things in to season it. She went down to the shore. She never came back. And her family were worried sick, and they searched and searched for her, but there was no sign of her at all. And the old women said, Ah, maybe the trows have got her. Maybe the trows carried her off to their mound. And they said, Well, it was a foolish thing to do, sending that last doon to the shore. In the evening, when the sun had already set, and her being on that stretch of land between high and low water, that's a dangerous place to be. That's where supernatural creatures dwell. That's where magic is at its strongest. But, anyway, the family never saw Annie again. Now, there was a ship that sailed to Norway, and among the crew was Willie Norn, who was a cousin of Annie's. Now, this ship had sailed, and when it was out into the North Sea, suddenly a storm blew up, just came from nowhere. And it blew, and it howled, and that ship was tossed and turned, and the crew were running around, pulling down sails and doing everything they could, pumping away to keep the water out of it. But the gale raged on and on and on, and one day turned to two, and two days turned to three, and three to four, and four to five, and they were caught in the teeth of that storm for about a week. And by this time the men were exhausted. They could hardly move. They were so tired and so sore. But their lives depended on it, and they had to keep going. But then, just as suddenly as it had sprung up, the gale abated. And then calm weather came. But it was a strange calmness. It was too calm. The whole surface of the sea was like a mill pond, and there was not a breath of wind to stir the torn and tattered sails. Now, the men waited. They were able to rest at least during this time, and they got the ship all put to rights again but there was not one breath of wind to stir the sails at all, and they lay there becalmed, and a fog rolled in about them and enclosed them, and they were frightened. They'd heard stories when they were bairns about a ship that was bewitched and was held in the ocean just like they were. And it was held there for so long that all the crew died, and the ship rotted on the surface of the sea. Bewitched they were, for sure, they thought. And they were very worried, but what could they do? They tried everything, but nothing 
not a breath of wind, fog all round them. They didn't know where they were. Now, after several days like this, they were, of course, becoming desperate by this time. But one of the men saw, coming out of the mist, there was a small boat was being rowed towards them. And as it got nearer, they could see that there was a woman at the oar rowing towards the ship. Well, they became fearful. Who can be out here, in the middle of nowhere, in a boat, a rowing boat? Maybe she's a witch. Maybe it's her that put the curse on us. Maybe it's her that bewitched the seas and the, took the winds away. And they were debating as to what they should do when the boat pulled up alongside the ship and secured itself. And then the woman chomped over the rails. She sprang over them just like she was a cat and landed on the deck. And Willie Norn recognized her as Annie, his cousin, who had disappeared off the shore. And he said, My mercy, he says, Is that you, Annie Norn? Yes, she says, Willie, it's me, all right. And I'll tell you this, she said, If blood wasn't thicker than water, You wouldn't see me here today. But I've come to rescue you. Now, she said, Helmsman, set that wheel that way. Set course and to the starboard. Well, the man did what he was told. She was barking orders out of her like she was a born skipper. And the thing was, the men were so shocked and surprised and desperate that they were happy to do whatever anybody told them. And so they followed all her directions, and they were able to catch just the faintest trace of a breeze. It just stirred the sails. But it was just enough to push the boat around. And then, as they were tacking, a breeze sprung up and caught the sails, and the ship started to move. Well, she guided them along, and they sailed for a wee while until there was a thing in front of them that was like a patch of denser fog on the surface of the sea. And this was shining like the sun was shining through it. And they headed towards the shining cloud, and they entered into it. And then when they came out the other side, to their amazement, they found that they were in a sheltered, landlocked bay, and that there was fields of corn growing there, and beautiful blue cattle grazing on the sides of the slopes, the green grass growing, and lots and lots of little streams running down to the sea, and each little stream had its own little song to sing. And the skylarks picked up those songs, and they poured their sweet music down from the air. It was the most beautiful place, and every now and then there were houses. Well, Annie took them in, guided them in, and they dropped anchor. Well, she said, welcome to Hildeland. This is the land of the Finn folk, and this is where I now live. Well, they were very surprised, very shocked by that, but they climbed over the side down into Annie's boat, and 
they rowed ashore and Annie took them up to a fine hall and she said, This is my home. This is where I live. And Willie saw it and he said, By me faith, lass, you've done weel for yourself. And Annie laughed and said, Oh, Willie, it's good to hear an oath again. I see there's, the fin folk don't waste their breath on oaths or swearing, she said. And if I was you, I would pay heed to that. Don't swear when you're in Hilderland. The fin folk don't like that. So be respectful. And remember, a close tongue keeps a safe heed. Well, she took them into the building, into this magnificent hall, and it was impressive. And then she took them up the stairs, and she showed them to various rooms, and every room had a lovely feather bed in it. And she said, right, now sleep. Sleep for as long as you want, because I know you're dog-tired. You're weary with your toil. So rest here and sleep. You'll wake refreshed. And it didn't take a second telling. The men went to their beds, and, oh, they were so soft and wonderful. And they slipped into a deep sleep with not a trace of a dream in it. Well, whether it was magic or not, who knows? But they all woke up at the same time. The Finn folk are known for their magic, you know. Now, they all left the rooms and they all went downstairs. And there in the hall there was a huge feast prepared for them. And Annie and her husband sat at the top table. And all their neighbours had come as well to greet them. And there was a great cry of welcome when they came down. And they were seated at the high table, along with Annie. And they were feasted there, and they were given blood-red wine to drink. Welcome, said the man at the big chair, who was Annie's husband. Welcome to Hilderland, the Finn folk's land above the waves. Not many mortal men get to tread on Hilderland, he said. So you are especially honoured, and it was only the intervention of my wife Annie here that saved your lives. And so they all toasted her health, and they drank, and they ate, and they talked, and music was played, and songs were sung, and it was just the most magnificent feast that they had ever had, and they ate their fill. Now, after they had done eating and drinking, Annie said, Now it's time for you to return home. It's time for you to go. And <clears throat> she said, We've got everything prepared for you. But, said the skipper, we, we don't know where we are. I mean, how do we get back? Well, we thought of that too, said Annie. And as well as some stores to take with you, you will find, tied up alongside your boat, there is a pilot, and he will guide you back safely, back home. But you have to pay a pilot's fee. It's a silver shilling each. So they agreed to that very happily, 
and they walked down to the shore. And Annie stayed back a bit, talking to Willie. She was asking him news of her mother and father, and of her brothers and sisters, and all the folks back home. And then she said, Tell my mother that I have three fine bonny bairns now, and I'm very happy where I am. Are you not going to come back with us, Annie? Oh, no, she said. I'm too well off here. Now my life is here now. But tell my folks that I'm fine and that I'm happy. And she says, Willie, I know that you've been caught in Mary Fubister. And I know that she's not sure about having you, because she's got plenty of suitors as well. But I'll give you this. And she gave him a token. It was a f strange, magical-looking token that was had a piece of string woven through it, which was made from twisted otter's hair. Put this around Annie's, uh, Mary's neck, said Annie, and she will like you better than anyone else. Well, he thanked her, and he put the charm in his pocket. And then they went out with a boat to the side of their ship, and there was a fin man in a boat tied up alongside it, and they all threw a silver shilling into it, and as every silver shilling landed in the bottom of the boat, the fin man laughed, because fin men love silver, or the white money as they call it, more than anything else in the world. So, once they were back on the ship, the fin man who was the pilot came in, and he said, you know, before we go, I would like to ask a favor of you. What's that? Well, I've often heard about men playing at cards, he said, and I would like to see you playing a couple of hands of cards. Well, we can do that, said the skipper, no problem, come down below. So the whole crew went down below, and a pack of cards was brought out. And they all started to play, and the fin man stood over them, chuckling as he was watching them playing. Now, whether there was something in the drink, or whether it was the fin man's magic, because they are powerful sorcerers, I don't know, but sleep overcame them. Suddenly they became so drowsy they couldn't keep their eyes open and they couldn't stop their heads from nodding forward onto their chests. And the men lay on the table with their heads on the table sound asleep and some lay on their lockers and others just curled up on the floor and they were all sound asleep before the second trick was turned. Now the skipper was the first to wake up and he got up and went up the stairs up the steps to the deck, and he saw to his amazement that they were anchored below the cliffs of Gatenip. And he went back down and woke up the rest of the crew, and they went up and saw that they were indeed lying under Gatenip in Scapa Bay. And there in the distance they could see the sun glinting on the weathercock on St. Magnus Cathedral's spire. Well, they were home, and the fin man was gone. And also, it wasn't just the fin man that was gone, the cards were gone as well. 
Now, the old folk used to say that cards were the devil's books, and maybe the Finn man thought that there was some devilish fate to be read in them, but he took them with him anyway. But they didn't care. They were home safe and sound, and safe they were. Well, Willie Norn went to Annie's parents, and he gave them word of their daughter, and of the grandchildren that she had borne them, and her joy, and the wealth in which she lived in. And then, after being home himself and seeing his own parents, he headed as fast as he could to Mary Fubister's house, and he put that token around her neck, and when it touched her skin, oh, she loved him so much, and they were married six months after that. But, you know, Annie Norn was never seen in Orkney again, and her parents never had any more word about her.